It may be Monday, but it is the best kind of Monday, the Monday of a holiday weekend when I hope many of you are off of work, enjoying your family and friends, and being fully present. In fact, that's the whole basis of my conversation today with Scott O'Neill, who is the CEO of the NBA team, the Philadelphia 76ers, and the NHL team, the Philadelphia Flyers. In his new book, Be Where Your Feet Are, Scott talks about the power of being fully invested in the present moment, which is a skill I am working on every day. Take a listen to our conversation. What an honor it is to welcome the legendary Scott O'Neill to the program today. Scott is the CEO of the Philadelphia 76ers NBA, for those that don't know, and the New Jersey Devils NHL team, a Harvard Business School trained sports executive whose new book, Be Where Your Feet Are, Seven Principles to Keep You Present, Grounded, and Thriving is out June 1st. Scott, this book moved me deeply, and it is a must-read for all of our listeners. Welcome to I'd Rather Be Reading. Rachel, I would actually not rather be reading. I'd rather be here with you right now. I'm <laughs> be where my feet are this whole time. I, I'm, I'm, I'm where my too. feet am, too. I'm fully present, locked into this moment. That is what your book has taught me. So, okay, based off of the very brief bio I just read of you, and that doesn't even scratch the surface of what you have going on in your life, why write this book, and when on earth did you find the time? You know, I mean, we have this, this uh, staying in my house and at work, and it's in the book, WMI, What's Most Important? Yeah. And, um, and a lot of, you know, life is busy. Um, and I think that there's so much pressure today to do what's right now, right in front of us, instead of like looking out a little bit in the horizon and saying, okay, we're on accomplishing a year. We're on accomplishing three years. We're on accomplishing five years. And, and writing a book is, it's been on the back of my mind, of course, but it didn't really come to fruition until my, my best friend, unfortunately took his own life. And I'm standing up there giving his, uh, a, a talk at his funeral. And all I can think about is I'm talking to his five beautiful children and his lovely wife, Nicole, is like, he's never going to have a chance to share the lessons. And this is one of my Harvard Business School classmates, brilliant guy, wonderful guy. Will Carton is his name, big, positive, bear hug type guy with a big smiley face and light shine in the room. And um, no more lessons from him. And I thought, as I started to talk to my friends, um, I was revealing a lot of my vulnerability. I was in stricken, grief stricken, and couldn't really figure out how to get out of, the, of it. And I started talking about some of my vulnerabilities and a lot of my failures and my trips and my falls. And what I came to realize was one is that's where all my learning took place. And that's where I grew. That's the first thing. The second thing was everybody has those moments. And instead we look at Instagram and everything looks so perfect. And we look at Facebook. Oh, my kid got into this college. Oh, look, my kid's a star athlete. Oh, I went on this cool vacation to Cabo. By the way, all that stuff's great. I hope people keep posting because I love, <clears throat> I love seeing what people do with their families and their friends. And it's amazing. It's just not reality. It's just not real life because life is messy and things happen to us and it's okay. It's okay. But we have to be okay sharing our stories. We have to be okay being a little vulnerable because what if there's somebody out there that needs to hear that story? And they well, see my life. It was me. I was that person, Scott. Like Good. I was that person. And so thank you for sharing that vulnerability. Thank you. That makes me happy. I, I when you do something like this, it's like when you talk in front of a crowd, I always think, can I move one person today? When I wrote this book, I literally I said to my wife, I'm like, 
I want to touch one person. And so if you touch one person, it's a, it's a pursuit worth taking. And so I took it. You took it and you did it. And obviously you've got one person, you've got me, but you're going to have millions more too. And so first of all, I'm so sorry for that tragic loss in your life, but you know, I'm, I'm a woman of faith and I um, have heard recently in a sermon at my church that God doesn't cause situations to happen, but he can use them. And I think that you have taken this awful situation that you've been put through and you have used it for good. And I think your friend and his family would be so proud of you and, and, and you should be so proud of yourself. So, oh my gosh, there's so much to unpack. So I was going to ask you this later on in the line of questions, but you brought it up. So tell, tell us a little more about what a WMI is. Yeah. What's most important. Um, you know, I, every week, I started to do this about two years ago. Every week I look at my calendar. I write down, I, I know what my WMI is in my personal life, in my professional life, and in my faith journey. And I want to make sure that at the end of the week, that as I audit my calendar, 80% of what I do, what I want to do, what I claim to be, and I've written down what's most important is where I'm spending my time. And I have this incredible executive coach, Brendan Bruchard. He's literally the most amazing man in the entire world. And he told me that high performers spend 65% of their time on the three things that are most important to them at work. And I think, holy crap, I am not doing this. And like, instead, we have all the little stuff that we can take care of. The stuff that's important, but not critical. The stuff that's like timely, but not important. Instead of really identifying, stepping back and saying, okay, this is where I'm going to make my mark. This is what really matters to me. This is what's truly most important in spending our time. And so that's what WMI is all about. And, and there is a journey to get there. And, and it is a fight and a struggle because we like to, we're, we're all, a lot of us are list checkers like me. I just like get off my list, you know, but the problem with being a list checker is it's not prioritized and it's not weighted. And so oftentimes we find ourselves doing the things that don't really matter. But let me just go through my emails one more time. You know, let me just check my text. Oh, by, by the time I'm at, let me just check Facebook. Oh, you know what? It's cool to take that video. And then we've gone three hours. We haven't done anything. We haven't done anything that's critically important. Yeah. And so if you want to accomplish something, if you want to move the ball forward, if you want to have a world-beating podcast, you know, like you do, it's like there's step shift take. You didn't just show up here today. You know, no, so I, I, did not. I, I think all of us can learn a lesson. You know? Well, and, and I want to say, have you ever read The Last Lecture by Randy Posh? Brilliant. Yeah, I cried during half This is the new last lecture, except you're fortunately wow. not dying or you're not, you don't have terminal <laughs> not yet. Um, So is this is, you did this, it's like you did the last lecture before you, I guess, the, you know, your friend's death prompted this, but before you felt like, okay, this is my, this, I got to get this out. And it's, it's really like reading. I mean, you're Harvard Business School educated. You are a CEO of two of the largest sports organizations in the world. And it's like you've, and not only that, and that's great and good, but you've drilled down life lessons into this book. And I have found myself being more present in my relationships. My priorities have shifted since reading this book about three-ish weeks ago. I feel like I'm more there when I'm there, you know, I really, I really am practicing the be where your, your feet are. And so you write in the book that being where your feet are is the new balance. So describe in your own words, what obviously it means being present in the moment, but describe in your own words, what being where your feet are means to you. 
every group of young people I talk to, every conference I've spoken at, every group that gets together, they ask me one thing, how do you do it? How do you find work-life balance? And I'm like, I don't, it doesn't exist. It does because not exist. It doesn't. Let's debunk that myth right Let's now. Stop. It, it doesn't stop exist. Stop the madness. Yeah, yeah. Stop, you know, and, and the reality is, Anyone that has ever accomplished anything worth anything in life has to work unreasonably hard. And I would love, I don't think I do it, but I would love to have the old school nine to three banker hours. How wonderful. Can you imagine? I don't even know what it, I don't even know what it would feel like, but I haven't found anybody that's been able to figure that, that crack that nut. So where I focus on is how can I be present? How can I spend the time that I have in a worthwhile way. Now that's a pursuit worth taking. So you walk into a meeting in our office, there's a little cell phone table, you check your cell phone. The millennials, Gen Z's lose their minds. How am I gonna take notes? Ah, you know what? Sit down, look across the table and say, how was your weekend? Hmm. We gotta put the phone down and get the head up. It's the first step, phone down, head up, phone down, head up. Second thing is at home. And I, I always say that we define families very differently. You can have a nuclear family, your friends can be your family, your extended family can be your family, depends on what, what situation in your life. Your work family can be your family. Uh, but I have a traditional uh, nuclear family. And I got to tell you, like, I don't have a lot of quality time. And it's not because I work a lot. And I do, you know, work a lot of nights. But man, get up, chaos in the morning, kids get to school, I go to work, come home, they got homework, they got sports, cheerleading, basketball, whatever. Boyfriends, then they got to do their homework, and then I'm home. So what do I really have? An hour? 45 minutes? And I have to figure out every single day how I'm going to spend that 45 minutes. The question is, is am I perfect? No, I'm not. My aspirational best self, though, is wonderful. And that's what I strive for. I don't beat myself up. I don't judge myself when I have a bad day and sit in front of the TV and watch the office again. I don't because I'm not perfect. But I will tell you that the richest moments in my life are when I turn the TV off, I put my phone down, and I talk. Yeah. Whether that's to my wife. My daughters, my friends, my colleagues at work, or, or a stranger at the bus stop. It's, it's really engaging with people, meeting them where they are, and actually being present with them like I'm present with you. Can you imagine doing your podcast while you were trying to send a text to your friend while watching a show in the background? Well, no, you couldn't, oh. right? But that's how we live our lives. We're driving and texting and listening to the radio. and Like, we, we have to figure out what again it goes back to figure out what's critically what's critical what's most important figure that out and then how are you going to engage on that personal level and by the way the pandemic we're we're in a cocoon we've been isolated we walk into a grocery store still masked up kind of looking around and getting out and now we got to re kind of enter society as it's starting to open up we got to figure out like wouldn't it be wonderful we said okay here's what the new normal looks like for me the new normal looks like for me is my phone is in my pocket my phone's staying in the car. My phone's staying in the drawer. You know what? I'm going to have meaningful conversations with people I'm with. I'm going to stay wholly present. You know what? If I don't, Rachel, if I don't want to talk to you right now, I shouldn't talk to you. I should yeah. just go do whatever I think is more important. Or Thank you for finding me important enough to chat with. Appreciate that. <laughs> Critically important. But, you know, it's uh, we can be better at this. We, we can be better. We need to do better. We need to be better. So 
Yes, 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 yes. Underscore, underscore, underscore all that you just said. So I do want to share a little teaser from the book. Um, listeners, you've got to pick this book up June 1st, be where your feet are. The book offers a four part process, which I've been implementing in my own life to be more right. successful at being present. And those four parts are number one, find perspective two, seek authentic feedback, three, cultivate reflective strength. And four, live your leadership constitution. It's so good. So something I also really love about you, and you alluded to this a moment ago, is you embrace failure as a teacher and not the enemy. And on page 68, you write, quote, I am different, better, and evolved because of what I learned during my out of work, out of luck, and out of money period. So failure is such a great teacher. I mean, we all love being on the mountaintop, that's where success happens, that's where celebration happens, but it's in the valley where we learn. And so what is the greatest lesson, Scott, that failure has taught you? The greatest, le- boy, there's been so many, um, you know, I, and I have, I have a lot of practice. So, um, you Dang. know, I, I, again, from, from the outside, you're like, oh, look, see all these two sports teams, oh, he's built this big business and we've had great success and it's wonderful. And I, and I love my team and I love what I do. Um, but the reality is I got fired from my last job. You know, I ran a company to the ground. Like when you say out of work, out of luck, out of money, I was literally broke, like foreclosure notices coming with a, with a wife who was retired, stayed home mom now with the new baby. And I'm like, uh Oh, you know, and I was, my head was spiraling. So I, I I've had some, some more than enough rough patches. I think my best lesson though, is you use the mountaintop analogy. I think that's right. But like, I, I think what I've learned is, is like, you get up at the top of that mountain and you, you learn a few things. And a, and a few things I learned, one is all the learning, all the fun, that's all the journey. All the trips over the sticks and logs and fall into the crevice and, and run into a tree, all that, that's where the learning takes place. Two, you get up to the top of that mountain and it's lonely up there. You know, you're looking around to celebrate and all I wanna do is run up another hill. And, um, and I think a lot of us are like that because there is no kind of victory at life. Cause I think a mountaintop might not be the right analogy but a mountain range might be for life. Yeah, and, that's so good. Yeah, that's good. You know, and those mountains come in different shapes and different sizes and have different obstacles and different weather patterns. And you have to go up and down different ones with different people on some multiple at the same time. But, but, but man, my biggest lesson is, is to appreciate the opportunity to learn when things go south. And they always go south because life is messy and it has to be okay. Like we have to fail forward. We actually literally have to look forward to those times. And it doesn't mean it's easy. It's not getting a foreclosure. It's like, Ooh, let me go celebrate. Let's have another ice cream. I just got a foreclosure. Just no, 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 I don't, I don't want that. I, I do want to talk about like taking like smart risk. Could I have like managed my risk better? Of course I could have. Could I have exited better? Of course I could have. So there are things I've learned along the way in, in some of my depths of failure that there's no way you went. You think a team that wins 70 games learns a lot. No, they, they enjoy winning. Of course. But the, the learning are from the tough, it's from the grind. Well, and that's so true. How often do we, in a basketball season, for example, see an undefeated season? We basically never see that, right? No. And so, you know, you you can, I think sports is a great example of, you know, I guess you could call a loss a failure, but you don't have time to stew in that. You have to get ready for the next game. And so, you know, it, 
fail forward, you know, learn from the loss, learn what you could do better and go on and play the next game. Don't let it stop you from playing the game. You know, I totally agree. And we're, we're, we are, we are a collection of our experiences, our lessons we've learned and the people we've been around. That's who we are. Right. And so think about like, we're just building ourselves. You know, we're just a work in progress all the time. And I was with this guy, an older guy, 92 years old, the other day, Russell Ballard. And he, he looked at me, he's like, how old are you, son? And I said, 51. He goes, you're just a boy. <laughs> I thought that was so great. It meant so much to me because I was like, I am a boy to him. Yeah. You know, I'm like, what perspective? Think of how many lessons he's had. Think of how many pro- opportunities he's had to learn. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I just, I, I, right? And you think about yeah. 92 years old. Man, what an opportunity. And um, and so so we have this thing called life. And we can either kind of go through it and stumble around and kind of, or we can like actually decide like, what do I want to accomplish? My dad told me every day when I was growing up, my dad grew up six kids in a two bedroom, six kids in a bed, didn't, couldn't rub, rub two nickels together. Every day he said to me, and he said, his dad said the same thing to him. You can accomplish anything you want to accomplish. You, you, the only ceiling uh, is the one you're going to put on yourself. You need to dream big. You need to set a goal. You got to work hard, work, see your fingers to your bones. To and I think, man, man, what a great message. What yeah. a great lesson. But don't just dream. Actually figure out what you want to accomplish and then dedicate the time. That's the missing link. Yeah. It's like, can you get an hour a day? A friend of mine wants to write a book. And I was like, why are you writing? He's like, no. I'm like, here's the thing about writing a book. You actually have to write it. All right. You know? <laughs> yeah, like, you actually you have to do the work. Write the book. Same with the it's podcast. Not- you actually have yeah. to do the work you know yeah. you have to dream all day long i didn't just show up here today yeah you had to do a lot you know yeah. so it's hard and uh well, but here's it's like- the thing Go ahead. Sorry. Cut no, go ahead. Go ahead. go ahead. Well, I was going to say, oh, I have so many thoughts in my mind right now. Number one, this interview is just so extra good because you are fully present. And I need every listener to hear how present you are and how, how much better the conversation is when you are fully engaged and you are where your feet are. I mean, I've had some of my best conversations in life on an elevator going up when I wasn't on my cell phone and I actually started talking to the person in the elevator with me. I mean, I have made legitimate connections in elevators in high rise buildings. And, um, another lesson, well, and another thing I wanted to say is I feel like everybody, that 92 year old man, you, me, all of us have a book in us. So few of us write the book, you wrote the book. And so that is to be commended. And I also was thinking as you were speaking about something you write about in the book called trusting the process and um, just how every, every, everything in life isn't happening to you, it's happening for you, right? And you can learn from failure. And I, I just need everybody to pick this up. And, and I, I want to wrap with, with this last question with you. On page 216, you write, everything you do every day will have an impact on the future. I agree with that. So what impact Scott, do you hope be where your feet are has on readers? I love, I love interacting with people. I love meeting new people. I love talking to people and learning about them. What I would hope this book be where your feet are finds with people is I hope it helps some people find their authentic selves. Because I can't be you and you can't be me. My, my uh, sister-in-law, Ashley Whiting, one time gave me this T-shirt. It said, be yourself because everybody else is already taken, which I yes. just loved. Love and that. we all have our own journey and we're all going to have our own struggles and nothing is going to be perfect. 
And we can um, connect with each other. We can help each other. We can learn from each other, but we have to stay together and we have to stay connected. But that starts right here in the mirror because you cannot help your family or your friends or be good at your job or have a world-class podcast unless you look in that mirror and you take care of yourself, mind, body, and soul. And I, I hope that, I hope that is, is the message that comes across. Well, Scott, the world needs this book and the good news is we have it. So be where your feet are June 1st. Scott, thank you for your time today. Thank you for this book. It is one that has already inspired me immensely. It really has shifted my life in, in a multitude of really positive ways. And it's one that I'm going to return to and read it again and again when I need encouragement and motivation. So thank you so much for this book. Rachel, you're amazing. And thank you for doing what you're doing and bringing the book to life. Thank you. This book is so good and so relevant for all of us and the all too busy lives we lead. I hope you enjoy listening to that chat as much as I enjoyed having it. Email me at hello, I'd rather be reading at gmail.com. Thank you so much to those of you that already have. And let me know what you think of the show and what books are resonating with you right now. And you never know, we might even feature your email on air. We'll be back on Thursday as we always are with our next batch of Thursday three and our next special guest. I hope you all are enjoying having these special guests on the Thursday three. And boy, do we have some special people coming on the show. But in the meantime, take a moment to subscribe, rate and review the show. It really does help others find out what we're doing here and build our I'd rather be reading community. Thank you so much for being here today and happy 4th of July weekend to all.